Let's pray. Father, I I pray that just what we have been singing, Christ be magnified in me, in the altar of my life. Father, may this be the case that as we walk through life and the things that we do and say and think, that, that we would magnify you in each moment. Father, I thank you for your word to us that we can go to and hear your voice and receive instruction. So I thank you for your word through Philippians this morning. I pray that as we look into this last section in Philippians, that we would hear, Holy Spirit, your challenge, your correction, your encouragement. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, it has been a joy for me, and I hope it's been encouraging for you to be walking through Philippians for the past several months. I hope that it has not just been a Sunday morning thing for you, but but something that you can revisit throughout the week, God's challenge to us through the book of Philippians. We come this week to the, the, last, um, the last time that we'll be preaching uh, about Philippians um, through this series. We're, we're looking at Philippians 4, verse 20. And Paul writes in Philippians 4, 20, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is Paul's closing statement in the body of this letter, calling us to live for the glory of God. As we think about this challenge, I think about really uh, this, this theme appears frequently throughout Paul's letter to the Philippians. We can see this picked up in Philippians 1, verses 20 through 21, where Paul writes, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be um, ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul urges us to live for the glory of God not for ourselves. And just a few verses later in verse 27 of chapter 1, Paul writes, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I am with you again or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. I lost my place and forgot that. Um, In one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul urges us again to live, our lives are meant to be lived for the glory of God. This includes the proclamation of the good news. Chapter 2, verse 17, Paul writes, For even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I will be glad and rejoice with all of you. Paul urges us to live for the glory of God, not for ourselves. He acknowledges that living in this way is a sacrifice. It is difficult. And he testifies to the truth that it is also a joy. So much of what Paul has mentioned in this letter is is strung together on this theme to live for the glory of God. 
Living for the glory of God is connected to our experience of love and unity and humility and joy. Living for the glory of God is connected to our experience of peace and generosity and contentment. These are all hallmark virtues of living as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We've walked through each of these things in our sermon series. And and all of these are connected to this pursuit of living for the glory of God. I've been invigorated, and I hope you have as well, to recognize how this message in Philippians, it connects to every facet of my life. It it impacts my marriage. It impacts my parenting. It impacts um, the, the way I think about politics or the way I think about other social issues. It impacts my work. It impacts my hobbies. This call to live every moment, to live for the glory of God, it impacts everything in our life. As I meditated on this challenge specifically this past week, um, to God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. I found it uh, helpful to be going back through the book of Philippians and being reminded of the themes and the verses and some of the things that we've talked about in here in our worship services. And and as, as I was reminded of those, I, I realized what I'd like to do this morning is to, to go through a similar process of um, considering some reflection questions and, and having a conversation. Um, the reflection questions that I want to walk through are some questions that walk us through some of the themes in Philippians that we've been preaching through over the past several months. If you're watching online, you can look at those reflection questions on the Amplify Guide and on our website. If you go to the daily discussion, you'll find all of these questions. And you're welcome, as you're here in person, um, to to go also on your phone to the Amplify Guide to the daily discussion and find those questions. Or you can just follow along and be listening. I really encourage you, as, as we walk through these questions, to be thinking how you would answer each of these reflection questions. I've invited Louis Tay to come up and have this conversation with me in front of you all as we walk through some reflection on the book of Philippians. Louis is a friend of mine, a, a part of our covenant family. He's married to Sang, and they have two, uh, two daughters, Hannah and Zoe. And Louis works with Purdue University as a professor in the psychology department. And uh, this is the kind of conversation that Lewis and I have with one another every other week or so on his uh, back deck. Um, And it's usually not viewed by all of you. but, but we wanted to have this kind of conversation this morning, and, and I hope it's, it's a blessing um, to you, and I hope it, it just um, stirs up, again, some of your own reflection on these questions. So thanks to Lewis for joining me, joining us for this. It's a privilege to be here. Hi, everyone. So the first question I'd love to have you think about is, what is a theme in Philippians that has resonated with you? Mm-hmm. The theme in Philippians that has um, resonated with me, you know, there's so much about Philippians that's really rich, and I've really enjoyed all the sermons, especially yours, Brentley. Uh, I have to say that, right? Um, and um, in particular, I think um, the, this semester, as I've been kind of going through the book, um, the verse in Philippians 2, 4, let nothing be done uh, through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than 
themselves uh, has really spoken to me. I think God has really been putting a finger on the issue of ambition in light of Paul's example, who considers everything else as rubbish for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ uh, and his pursuit of Jesus. Whereas, you know, I feel like a lot of times I'm just pursuing my own career success, you know, so God has really been kind of pointing that out. I think the other dimension is uh, humility, putting others above yourselves. Um, you know, we live uh, in a very much an offense culture, I would mm. say, and I'm offended by the offense culture, obviously. Um, you know, it's so funny because you think about it, it's like I'm offended at your offense, at my, you know, being offended, right? And it's just a vicious cycle. Um, and, and, and if you kind of take a step back and you look at it and you realize, wow, actually, you know, that is seldom the way of Christ. And in fact, probably not how Jesus uh, approaches that as we kind of look at the life of Jesus you know, his humility in coming to love us um, and put us first um, rather than be offended, just like the Pharisees, whom mm. he really had the strongest words for. So I think that has been something that has been speaking to me, um, just, you know, God pointing the finger at that as well. It is so, um, it is so challenging and humbling. I mean, Paul's, the, the example that you used, Paul is saying, um, I consider all these other things rubbish, garbage, compared mm-hmm. to pursuing and knowing Christ. Um, mm-hmm. That, man, we are, we so many of us are ambitious people. We have these goals and this work and these things we want to get done. And, and for us to hold that and honestly reflect and ask ourselves, do I, do I desire to know Christ more than reaching this goal or ambition? And wow, I mean, that reflecting on that drives us to humility because we realize we're, we're failing often in that. Mm-hmm. But I, I love that reminder of that verse and that challenge. Thank you. I think, um, you know, for me, as I think about something that has resonated, the, the two themes that's really resonated for me, one has been this, this theme that goes through the book that we're looking at this morning, uh, that in all we do, we are to exalt Christ, to bring glory to Christ. And, and that's something that we'll come back to in our conversation and, and other questions. Um, but the theme of exalting Christ has been really challenging to me. And, and the other one is the, the amount of um, the way Paul shows affection for the, the, his brothers and sisters in Christ, for the way he talks about their partnership together. Um, that's been really challenging and encouraging for me to be thinking about how I should feel and display affection for those uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that I'm partnering with in the gospel and, and I've really seen David uh, display that, remind us of that affection and partnership and, and trying to um, get that as a deeper and deeper part of my life. Um, so those, those two things have really resonated. Really encouraging. Another question I want to, want to have you interact with, um, what have you done to keep yourself engaged in the message of Philippians? Mm-hmm. So as you know, um, this whole year, uh, because of the pandemic, uh, Sang and I have been homeschooling the kids. So one of the fun things is we get to choose uh, the curriculum. And so as Covenant has been going through the book of Philippians, we decided to also read through uh, the book of Philippians with the girls too. And Hannah is nine and Zoe is four. So we really have to go through it at the lowest common denominator, which is her, Mm -hmm. uh, Zoe, right, at four years old, just based on her uh, pace and her attention span. Um, and so really kind of digging through Philippians at that level has been really rich for us. In particular, you know, Zoe will ask the best questions, uh, such as, you know, when Paul in Philippians 4.11 says, um, 
I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And of course, she asks, you know, what exactly is circumstance? What is circumstance? And then Hannah tries to explain it with, you know, a four-syllable word, uh, which is, you know, situation, you know. And she's like, what is situation? <laughs> Doesn't help at all. Uh, and so we have to kind of concretely go through specific examples, like, well, being content with the food in front of you, being content with your toys, uh, being content even if you don't have a play date. Mm. Uh, and that forces me as well to really think about situations that I need to be content with. You know, mm. Working from home, the pandemic situation, uh, just feels like it's forever, but yet um, practicing that as we're kind of going through the book together. So that has been a really rich and engaging way for us to go through oh, yeah. Philippians. I love the way, as this so often works out in parenting, you are teaching your children something like contentment. And in the back of your mind, as you're teaching them that, you feel incredibly convicted because you realize, <laughs> oh my goodness, I told them to you know, be content in this, but how much more am I struggling with contentment in, yeah. in my adult issue of Definitely. some sort? Uh, and that, yeah, I, and I mean, the other thing I really appreciate about that, um, and wanna, I feel encouraged, and I want to encourage all of us, as we think about um, you know, what you and Sang have experienced walking, reading through Philippians with your children, and what that does is um, the way that has you meditating on the word more often and more deeply as you're figuring out how can I describe this concept and explain this concept to a four-year-old and a nine-year-old, um, but it, so it has you meditating on scripture more. It has you talking about scripture more. And, and I love how, you know, I want that for us, for families, for, you know, whether it's among our family or among our friends, for conversation about scripture to be a normal everyday thing. That, that we, that's something we do as brothers and sisters in Christ, raising a family or, or interacting with others. We, we talk about scripture. That's, that's natural. Um, you know, I, I so, I, I don't want it to be that, you know, it's natural to talk about sports or weather or my work today, um, but it feels awkward all of a sudden when we talk about scripture. Mm -hmm. When you step into what you and Sang have done, you are normalizing the conversation about scripture, which is beautiful for you and for your children. And, and I love that. It's been a joy. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things that has helped me engage in the book of Philippians has been um, I've, I've been on the, the goal of trying to memorize each scripture passage as we have preached through it. So then ultimately to memorize the, the book of Philippians. And, and in that goal, I found myself, you, you know, I have to repeat it over so many times. And in the repetition of God's word, I find just as I'm doing that, when I walk my dog or when I drive, you know, from a point A to point B, um, as I repeat that over and over again, his, his words in Philippians are just getting deeper and deeper and becoming more and more meaningful. And, and there are times on a walk with my dog or on a drive in the car that, that I come to tears and a deeper realization of this particular passage that I'm, I'm meditating on. And, and I love, I mean, I love the power in God's word, um, but am encouraged by you know, the practice that we're both experiencing is as we meditate on God's word more and more, it, it comes alive in our life and, and we, we get a deeper understanding of what we're meditating on. Yeah, definitely. I feel like God is constantly wanting to speak to us mm -hmm. and through really reading his word and meditating on it, we really hear his voice uh, in a much clearer way very often. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and those moments of a discussion with our wife or with children or with coworkers, um, when we're tempted to, to respond in the wrong way, some of what we've been meditating on, the Holy Spirit brings to mind and then encourages us and even empowers us to respond in the right way, which is a blessing. Uh, another question I, I want you to think about is, um, what have you learned about or how have you experienced love, unity, humility, or joy while studying Philippians this past semester? Yeah, um, as I mentioned, you know, Philippians 2.4 talks about ambition, humility. I think one of the things that Paul goes on to unpack in, you know, Philippians 2.5 onward, it says, you know, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became mm. obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. And as I've kind of been thinking about that, you know, I realized that God loves us so much. You know, the, it's not new, but mm. his love is paired almost so closely with humility that if we say we love somebody, it has to be a humble love. Mm. It's not a regard for yourself. It's really a regard for the other person. And I think that has really affected how I've tried to you know, talk about things with people who I have different opinions with or in terms of how I seek to serve others. Um, rather than trying to draw attention to yourself, you're really saying, how can I love this person better? in the humble love that Christ has shown to me as well. Mm, mm. So that has really been convicting for me with regard to the topic of humility. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Paul's section in the first part of Philippians 2 is just is beautiful and challenging. How I mean, what you just quoted, um, how Christ, we should have the same attitude of Christ. And we think of the humility of Christ in coming to earth. And um, that humility challenges me in so many different circumstances in life. Um, and, and I'm drawn to the love that he shows in that humility. But then, as you say, as we interact with others, um, for me to live as Christ uh, is to, to be humble before others. It's, you know, my opinion or my stance on a certain issue isn't the most important thing in this conversation. It's, it's how I can humbly display the love of God to a person. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the pursuit of exalting Christ is, is a humbling pursuit because it's at the foundation. It's taking my eyes off of myself and putting my eyes on Christ and saying, Christ, in all that I do, I want to exalt you. And that, that practice, that humble practice of taking our eyes off ourselves and putting them on Christ, that, that impacts our relationship with Christ, but it impacts, as you said, you know, our, our relationship with others. As, mm -hmm. as our eyes aren't on ourselves, they, they can be on Christ and, and on others as we interact with them. Yeah, and the wonderful thing is you see actually the, the beauty of the diversity of the body of Christ, you mm -hmm. know, all the giftings, the approaches by which people follow God, rather than being so insistent on, oh, my way or the highway, mm -hmm. you're really seeing, wow, God in all his fullness allows for all this diversity. And that is something that I think uh, when you have humble eyes, I think you can start seeing more of that. Yeah. Let me see. The, um, I want to say one more thing about that and then, and then have a, a final question. Um, when, I, when I think about the, um, 
the God's love and humility and unity that is, is taught in, in this passage or, or in this book um, and this theme of exalting Christ. I'm, I'm reminded and challenged how um, if my goal, if my primary pursuit is to exalt Christ, then in every circumstance, in any moment, no matter what's going on, there is a way for me to exalt Christ in that moment. So, so when I get some terrible news or, or when some terrible things happen, um, in that moment, there is a way for me to exalt Christ in that moment. And, uh, and, and these verses have really reminded me and challenged me that, um, that if my goal is to exalt Christ, that is possible in every moment. And, and there's a peace that I can have in knowing that in every moment, I can do the thing that I've been called to do. Regardless of the circumstances, if, if the primary thing I've been called to do is to exalt Christ, I can do that in any and all circumstances. There is a way to exalt Christ in, you know, and obviously some circumstances are miserable, um, but there is a way to respond to those circumstances in a way that exalts Christ. And, and there's peace in that in knowing that, God, what you've called me to do, you've, you've made possible. In any circumstance, I can find a way to bring you glory, to respond in a way that brings you glory. The, the last uh, question I'd love to you to speak to just a little bit, um, just in general, um, oh, here it is. Uh, in what ways are you living for the glory of God right now, and what role has the covenant church play, family played in that? Mm -hmm. It's a challenging um, question to answer in terms of, um, you know, what ways am I living for the glory of God? Because, as you know, Brentley, the more you walk with the Lord, the more you realize the beauty of his perfection mm. and his holiness and how sinful and broken and in need I am of him. So it's hard to say, hey, look at this wonderful thing that brings glory to God, you know, that I've done. Uh, but rather, I feel like, you know, uh, what has really challenged me through Paul's example, where he keeps on uh, pushing uh, to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, is for me, maybe it's a midlife thing, maybe it's because we're in the midst of COVID, is really to just keep on pressing forward, you know, one step after the other. Mm. It might feel like it's the same thing over and over again, but being faithful to continuing to follow God uh, that has really been, I think, something that um, I feel uh, eventually, hopefully, will bring glory to God. And, you know, for those Finding Nemo fans, right, Dory says, just keep swimming, uh, just keep swimming. And I feel like that's uh, how I've kind of taken that uh, message from uh, Paul. Um, with regard to um, the second part of how covenant has really encouraged me, I feel like um, as a younger Christian, I memorized different parts of uh, Philippians and they've provided a lot of insight and richness to my Christian walk, and so they're like pearls. And I feel like when Covenant has kind of gone through the whole book, it's really strung all these pearls together in a beautiful necklace that you can kind of see how they're all interconnected. So that has really been encouraging for me. I love that. Yeah, I love that illustration of, of the pearls strung together, this beautiful necklace. The, you know, our, this call to live a life to the glory of God. That is this beautiful call strung together with all these specific teachings about what it is to love like Christ, to, be, to have unity like the body of Christ, uh, to be humble like Christ. Um, yeah, so thanks, thanks for that picture. Um, when I, when I think of, you know, the, uh, the other part of that question, what, is the, um, what role has Covenant Church family played in helping me 
uh, live for the glory of God. I, I think of just the blessing it is to, you know, for you and I to, to sit down and have conversations like this, you know, when everybody else isn't here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, but also just as I think of, you know, other conversations with others of you in our church family and, and really just through the years, um, my having the opportunity to see different parts of your life and so many of you in so many ways are pictures to me and to others of what it is to live for the glory of God. And, and that is a, that's an incredible blessing we give one another as a church family as we live out examples of this. I mean, as Lewis says, you know, yes, as we grow deeper with the Lord, we realize more and more the extent of our fallenness. So that is true. And as we look around, we see beautiful pictures of God working in and through different ones of us to live for the glory of God. And that is so encouraging and instructive to see that in one another. I, I want to uh, just close in, um, I'm going to pray in a minute and invite the worship team to come up. Um, the three things I, I really want you to hear as we wrap up um, this study on Philippians is, um, you know, well, four things, I guess. One is uh, for you to be going through these reflection questions that Lewis and I went through, for you to be thinking through those and your answers to those. Um, for, for you to be thinking this week, how am I in each moment living in such a way that brings God glory? And then I encourage you to interact with the Lord about that and interact with others about that, how you can be living in a way that brings God glory. As the worship team comes up and before we stand and respond in singing, I, I want to pray and just have a, a moment in that prayer where we can pause and just have a silent conversation with the Lord, asking him how, how he wants you to live in a way that glorifies him this week. Father, we come before you thankful for your word, thankful for your example, for your challenge, for your brothers and sisters of Christ that you have placed all around us. Father, we want to live this week in what we do and say, and we want to live in a way that brings you glory. Father, we each think of our, uh, the things that we have in front of us this week. We hold those things before you, and we invite you into each of them. Show us how in each of those circumstances and conversations, show us this week how we can bring you glory in the midst of each of those. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.